Welcome to Black Imagination, where Antoine and I open up our Black space to our Black and Brown friends doing dope things in Milwaukee's arts and culture scene. Black Imagination is a part of the Imagine MKE Podcast Network. So go get out your sage sticks, light some incense, and join the conversation. Be sure to follow us at Imagine MKE on all your favorite social media platforms and subscribe to our show wherever you listen to podcasts. And now, here's the show. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to Black Imagination. I am one of your co-hosts, Kenita Hickman, and I'm joined by... Antoine Carter. That is me. How are you guys doing in podcast? You know, I am super excited. So this is kind of for us. This is the countdown to the end of our first full season. Um, So we have one more recording that we're doing after this, which would be our our kind of year end thing. But it's been a really interesting ride. I didn't think um, coming to Imagine MKE that uh, I would be getting into podcasting. So um, yeah, it's, it's been really, really interesting. How are you doing? It is, it is that time of year where summer says goodbye and fall comes into our lives. Ugh. And um, I like it. Like, uh, I do like, I like the fashion of fall, like the <laughs> layers, the colors, like you can do a lot of dope stuff. Unfortunately, there's not a lot of places to go. So I haven't really had a lot of places to wear all my nice brown and folly type stuff, but excited to see the leaves change. Just, you know, it's that good time of year. Crisp air, apple, not pumpkin. You know what? That felt very shady to me because you know I'm all about the pump. Oh, yeah, I am I all about the pumpkin. I don't appreciate that that energy, but that's fine because, you know, next week I plan to um, make an apple parfait. So see, I'm inclusive here. I can do pumpkin. I can also do apples. I feel like we should kind of introduce our guest because we've been very excited about this guest. And I know that we have tons of adjectives that we want to throw out before we even let her talk. Yeah, yeah, let's throw, let's let's do that because it's deserving. It's deserving. Okay, okay, so we have a boss on the show today. Like there's just, there's, there's like, uh, I'm gonna call her black woman magic for sure. Um, she's definitely a boss in the, national and international arts scene, but she chooses to live in Milwaukee. So we want to get that distinction very clear. Um, Yeah, the only thing I can think of is a boss. She is also a OG for those who are in the podcast world. You have to reach a certain level of like, she is the boss at the end of the video game. Not at the end of the board. Mm. So you got to pass through some stuff. You've got to live to get on her level. You've got to live to get to where she is. Yeah, she is. She is that one. So this is kind of a a personal story. When I first started, everybody was telling me I needed to meet this particular artist because this artist would give me a lot of context into um, the Milwaukee. Give me some knowledge that I didn't have because I came in with music as my background. Man, I was scared to meet this artist because I remember our first meeting at Collective, at Collectivo, she was just like, so like, how did you, how did you, like, how did you get the job? Like, how did you arrive here? And I'm like, oh no, she gonna see that I don't know nothing about arts. Oh no, I might get fired. And, um, but really, uh, this woman has been um, an, an incredible asset to my work at Imagine MKE. And I feel like, um, she is my godmother in helping to enhance my knowledge. So without further ado, let's just give it up for Miss Della Wells. Like, Della yes, Wells. let's do that. Hey, Della. Hey, Ms. Hi, Della. how are you doing? We are great. And we just wanted to give you all the flowers. We just wanted you to have them. We believe in giving flowers when you come on Black Imagination. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. 
is there anything we missed in that introduction? Oh, it was very kind of you. No, you didn't miss anything, but it, yes. it was kind. Yes. <laughs> I, now I feel like I got to live up to the hype. <laughs> Well, you already do it. So this is a podcast, but we record via Zoom so we can see each other. Y'all don't have the benefit of seeing how Miss Della showed up today. She's got this popping purple lipstick on, hair wrapped, hoop earrings, just looking again like black woman magic. And I showed up ashy. It's Thursday and this is just <laughs> it's what it is I barely put coconut oil in my hair and I'm embarrassed because this is what I did to the queen so <laughs> um let's talk about one of your most recent exhibits and so uh road of democracy which we at imagine mke also have a project that's kind of um along that same vein or take been inspired by the work that you and Dasha Kelly did this summer um, leading up to uh, our DNC or what would have been our DNC. So can you talk a little bit about Road of Democracy and how you got involved? And at some point, we got to backtrack and talk about your history. Okay. Um, how I got involved with the project, um, Gabe Yeager of the downtown bid. He contacted Shout out to Gabe. Huh? Shout out to Gabe. <laughs> he contacted me and Dasha Kelly. And mm-hmm. what he wanted to do what he wanted to do was for us to collaborate and use some of my artwork you know to talk about the road of democracy and originally this was supposed to be for the dnc convention we all know what happened to that okay and it was really a perfect you know pairing with dasha Um, because in my artwork is basically about black women and it's basically about you know black women you know we're on this road we're going to be ourselves in this land i call mama land and it's basically is the road of democracy and i do put a lot of history political stuff in you know in my work it may not be obvious all the time but sometimes obvious so dasha wrote a poem to go with my work they put up banners and brad pruitt is going to be doing a video to go with it. And he interviewed I and Dasha. And I can't wait to see the I can't wait to see the video. Man. So how long did it take you to um complete that project with Dasha? Well actually it didn't take very long because they contacted me in July and I believe the project a bit had to be finished by the end of July, and really was a matter of, you know, looking at existing artwork that I have already done that pick on that theme. And a lot of times, if you look at my work that, you know, the women are on the road and black women, you know, black women are one of the backbones of this democracy in this country, because we're going to see that democracy happen. So we have been interviewing black women our series has been the Trust Black Women Tour. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like your art screams trust Black women. Yeah, because it's, you know, Black women have been very important throughout my life. And I don't talk about this too, oh, oh, too often, but, you know, I didn't particularly have the ideal childhood mainly but then i found out later who has the ideal childhood but um my mother had schizophrenia and i grew up in the 50s and 60s and i grew up thinking like on television and you two are probably too young and probably a lot of your young listeners too young remember this but there used to be shows like leave it to beaver father you know father knows best where it was the perfect american family Mm -hmm. the dad the mom 2.5 2.5 kids, 2.5 so kids. Kids. <laughs> kids, the nice, you know, the nice house. So I grew up thinking that the world was like that, okay? That everybody was like Ward Cleaver or the father and father knows best. And mm-hmm. it hasn't. But Black women have played a very important part in my life, all through my life. Um, Though my mother had schizophrenia, my godmother, Mrs. Frances Larson, was there. 
My Aunt Aretha was there. There was women in the church like Mrs. Turner. My teachers, Mrs. You know, Mrs. Foster, um, Mrs. Miller, Mrs. Jefferson, and more. And, and then women I learned about in history, Sojourner Truth, Fannie Lou Hamer was mm -hmm. one of my top sheroes. Uh, Ella Walker, Ella, you know, Ella Bake Baker, Whoopi Goldberg, and more. And these women taught me that you don't have to, you know, don't let other people put things upon you. You are the master of your own destiny and that you could do it. You can go fight for your dreams and live for your dreams. So black women are very important in my life. So let's talk about your history in terms of how art found you because you are a self-taught artist um and again like we don't talk enough about self-taught artists i don't think mm -hmm. um i think we make these presumptions about how folks um find art in these other spaces so i'm curious about how um art found you and i know that this is something that you actually did later a little later in life yeah well i always knew how to draw and actually i sold my first piece at 13 and i had two great nice. art teachers one i didn't realize he was a great art teacher at the time because i was like 12 13 and 14. his name was mr caston and mr caston used to bring cow skulls and i was supposed to draw and my little 12, 13, 14 on mine, I said, I don't want to draw no cow skulls. And he used to tell us to draw beautiful cockroaches, beautiful cockroaches. I'm like, I want, I don't want to draw no cockroaches. You're supposed to have raid or something to kill cockroaches. <laughs> but you know, later on in life, I realized he was he was, you know, what he was saying was there's beauty in everything. And then my second art teacher was Mr. You know, Robert Crawford who was also the basketball coach. And I went to Lincoln Junior Senior High, which is now Lincoln School of the Arts. And um, Mr. Crawford was also the basketball coach. And the same energy he put in the basketball coach, he put into teaching art. And he wanted to win, you know, you know, like you have these contests that they put you in when you're a kid. <laughs> He wanted to win them. So all the kids that pretty much knew how to draw, draw, well, you know, he would let them do what they want and he would enter our stuff, you know, and enter our stuff in. I, I won a prize once and sold a piece then. But outside of that, I really didn't care about art. I did want to be a fashion designer. I liked art, but it wasn't for me. And then when I was 18 years old, I became involved. There used to be a gallery here called Gallery Toward to Black Aesthetics. It was founded by a group of young African-American artists. Many of them had graduated from the, you know, the universities here, like Layton School of Art, MATC, UW, you know, UW Milwaukee were some of the schools. And it was founded by George Edwards and Joe Willie Smith was the co-director. And some of the artists that I, you know, that I found out about was Gerald Coleman, William Christen. And it, this was an eye opener for me because it was the first time that I ever met any black artists and the first time I ever met any women artists. Because, you know, prior to that, I thought it was just white men that made art. And another artist that I met there, and I met a lot of women artists there, and one of them was Evelyn Patricia Terry, which is, you know, important. Hey. So I was involved with the gallery for a couple, you know, couple years, and then I said, you know, I need to quit this stuff and get me a real job, and get trained to do something so I can take care of my child. And so I didn't do any art for a long time, except when I was involved in with nine to five. I was on the board. I wrote for the newsletter, and I used to do a cartoon strip called Nine to Five with Miss Wells. Well. While I was working, the time I was working at Milwaukee County, I got injured on my job. And I was like in really bad pain for two years. And what I was doing was data, you know, data entry. And my doctors told me that I'm gonna have to find another job. I'm gonna have to get retrained. 
So I decided I was going to go to school and be a psychologist. Okay. okay. Art was not on my mind. I planned to do it at the age I am now. And I plan to probably paint flowers, houses, because I like houses and flowers. So anyway, I was taking all these academic courses in Milwaukee area, technical college. And my advisor said that I need to take some humanities. And so she suggested I take this art survey course. And I said, fine, I know a little bit about art because I was with the gallery toward the black aesthetics. My mother, before she got really, really <clears throat> sick with the schizophrenia, she used to take us to the art museum. And we grew up with, my father had a lot of books. In fact, he could have had his own library or bookstore. He had that many books. And they were like on history, science, and he had a lot of books about art. So at the time that I took this course, I was like 39. I, and when I went back, I was in my 30s. I wasn't a traditional age student. So in this art survey course, we had to write a paper. And at the time, because I wasn't a traditional age student, I would write papers on subjects that people would normally not write about. And I knew in this class, most people were gonna write about Van Gogh, Picasso, Rembrandt. Um, and that's what most people did. I decided to write on an artist. I wanted to write on an African-American artist and I wanted to write on somebody from Milwaukee. So I remember Evelyn from back in the gallery toward the black aesthetics. So mm -hmm. I called Evelyn up and told her I'm writing this paper. Um, can I interview you for my paper? And she says, yeah. And Evelyn said, you know, you're an artist because she remembered when I did draw, I used to draw these weird women have been babies like Picasso, you know, they look like Picasso, like drawings. And I thought to myself, you're crazy. I'm not an artist. Okay. You know, mm -hmm. I don't want to do that stuff. Artists don't make money. You know, I'm going to be a psychologist. So I did the, you know, did the paper and I started talking to Evelyn. And for two years, Evelyn tried to get me to make art. And for two <laughs> years, in the back of my mind, I said, ah, she, you know, she out of her mind. I'm not making any art. By then, I had transferred over to the University of Wisconsin, Milwaukee, and mm -hmm. my major was sociology. I was doing a minor in African American studies, and I was doing a certificate in women's studies, and all these actually relate to my work. And at mm -hmm. the time, I was taking a course on African religion with Dr. Belgardi Smith, who was one of my favorite professors at UW-Milwaukee. And... Um, so Evelyn invited me to a show at Pelt's Art Gallery that she was in. It was her and another artist named Manir Buckadine. Yes. So you may not wow. believe this. I went to the show and then a voice told me to go make art. So I told Evelyn, I'm ready to go make art. And Evelyn was elated because she was trying wow. for all these years yeah, to get me to make art. So two weeks later, I went in her studio. I did three pictures. I did one monoprint and two pastels, never done them before, and they turned out. And that's how I got started. And I used to say when I did the art, it was very therapeutic for me. Evelyn say, stop saying that, but it was therapeutic. And Evelyn told me if I get 50 pieces of work, she'll get me my first show. And actually, and I was working so much, and she thought, oh, I'm going to have to get her first show. But actually, I got my first two shows on my own. So that's how I got started. Wow. Man. That is incredible. And so just to like fill our, our listeners in, because you have visibility nationally and internationally. Where, where are places where your art is visible? Like right Okay. Um, well, I'm in Milwaukee. I'm at the Portrait Society Gallery. And um, Deborah Bremer Portrait Society Gallery represents me here in Wisconsin. I also show smaller stuff at my friend's gallery, Five Point Art Galleries and Stu Studios, which is owned by Fatima Laster. And I also show Evelyn has a gallery in her house. But um, nationally, I show at Main Street, Main Street Gallery in Clayton, Georgia. Marsha Weber Gallery. It was in Montgomery, Alabama. It moved someplace else. I can't think where, but it's in Alabama. Um, 
and I recently got it at um, Mason Fine Art Gallery in Atlanta. Um, you can also, you know, sell my work at the gift shop at the uh, Smithsonian Museum of African American Culture and History. And you can also buy my dolls in, in you know, Intuit in Chicago. In terms of exhibiting, um, I've exhibited all over the country. I've also exhibited in British Columbia and it, you know, and Italy. And currently, I'm in, I know I'm in a show here at the warehouse, and it's about artist porch portraits. And I'm also in a show at Main Street Gallery about artists who make stuff out of found objects. So I'm shown in a lot of places, John Michael Kohler, the Hickory Museum of Art, uh, Milwaukee, you know, Milwaukee Art Museum. Um, I've, sh I've shown in a lot of places. Well, I don't want to, I, I don't want to speed bump past the, the, what we call here at Imagine a flex, because <laughs> I mean, I think I think mentioning Smithsonian is a bit of a flex. So, you know, that's just, that's, that's, let, that's you letting the people know like what it is and what it ain't. Um, me and you have had some continuing conversations about black and brown artists in Milwaukee mm -hmm. now, the mm -hmm. younger artists, the folks mm -hmm. coming up. And it's interesting because when me and you talk, one of the things that you always mention is artists just need to mm -hmm. network. Artists need to network. And so I'd love to, to hear your thoughts more for like um, artists who are in Milwaukee right now during COVID and saying, yes, I want to do this full time. I, you know, what, what are some things that they should do? Because I think the other thing that's important to note that you always remind me of is every artist's dream is not to right. be in galleries. Every artist's dream is not to go the right. route you went. And so what can artists do right now who are looking to build a career in art? Well, the, you know, first thing I would suggest is to find out what's going on in your own backyard. And don't be afraid to approach, approach people. And don't be afraid of the word no, okay? Because eventually somebody is probably going to say yes. And I say talk to other artists, particularly, you know, if you know, if you know an artist and know of an artist, you may be surprised. They may, you know, talk, you know, talk, you know, talk to you. Um, I would say if you start Hollywood, join some, you know, art organizations. There's Marne, Wisconsin Painters and Sculptures. Um, create your own show. Oh, started. I went to a show with a father, a son, and a nephew. They had a show in their house, okay? Mm -hmm. And there were a whole bunch of people that came. People from galleries would come, you know, come in there, have a show. I've, I've had given home shows in my home. You know, when I started out, I had friends give me home shows. Um, and you got to meet, the main thing, meet people and find out what's going on. And I think the foremost thing don't believe your own hype. Don't be start thinking, you know, I'm the greatest artist in the world. I'm the only one to do this. And just because you, you know, more than likely somebody else is doing it too. And they don't mean that they, you know, they have seen your work. But this business about networking is important who your patrons are. It's important, you know, and you have much more options now. I mean, you have social media, you have SD, Amazon, Amazon, and a whole bunch of other sites that you can, you know, sell, you know, sell on. Uh, there's little local, you know, fairs. I know you and Imagine Milwaukee have been doing gallery nights and other things. You know, mm -hmm. there's a bunch of ways that you should do it. And I t and find out about the business. Learn the, you know, learn the business. And if you can, this is an old book, but it's been revised. Get how you know how to survive as an artist. It's a very good book. It tells you know tells you the truth. And I will tell you, it's not enough to know how to draw to make it in this business. There's a lot of people in this business that know how to draw. Just like there's a lot of singers that know how to sing. In fact, there are people that know how to sing that's better, better than some of the famous singers. Singers. But it's all about networking and do that here 
And then the other thing too, what I would suggest is just don't look at Milwaukee. You have a whole world out there. And there's different sites that you can, cafe, sunshine, artists, you look, Google, jury shows, Google. Find out what's out <laughs> there. That's awesome that the OG told us to Google. That's yeah. advice. Google. I find a lot of people don't. Now, if my old butt can get up there and Google, anybody can Google. Yeah. <laughs> um, man, there's so many questions from what you just said that I would like to ask. So the first one I'm thinking is, as I'm not an artist, but you say like network. Networking is key. What should they be looking for in a network? Like, what should they be looking for? Are they looking for like potential customers? Are they looking to like? Are they looking for mentors? I would, I would, I'm guessing someone listening is like, okay, you said network, but what am I supposed to say? Like, what am I looking for? Well, it could be all of, you know, all of the above. Um, talk to people. You can talk to different artists. Um, you can talk to different gallery owners. There's curators. Um, if you at a university, you can, you know, go, you know, a lot of universities have their own gallery, you know, galleries. Talk. Start going to, my first thing is probably the best way to start is start going to art shows. Start going. Start going to art exhibitions. And go to the museum. Start looking what's out there, okay, and see. And one thing in particularly, if you go into museums, let's say you go into John Michael Kohler, which is in, is in Sheboygan or Milwaukee Art Museum, one thing that you need to remember, you see all those artists in, in there? They're good. There's a whole bunch of people who are just as good or better that's not there in those museums. And start, you know, go, you know, go meet people in the arts. Like, and the first thing I can tell you, start going to, you know, going to art shows. Start looking out, know, looking up artists. Start looking up gallery owners. They may talk, some may talk to you, some don't, and don't get discouraged. And if it, you're in school, maybe some of your professors can help you. I know Jason Yee ha, at Myatt has been helping a lot, you know, helping a lot of students there. Another question that popped into mind was to talk about not just seeing, um, not just looking at Milwaukee, and you mentioned all these different places that you are showing. When did you, did you start off not looking at Milwaukee or how did you get to that wisdom? Well, actually networking. And actually there were two artists in Milwaukee, um, the late Calvin Greer and the late Patrick Turner. That's one of the things they told me. They said, don't focus on Milwaukee. And they were doing shows all outside of, you know, all outside of Wisconsin. And they were selling work outside of Wisconsin. So they encouraged me to look outside of Wisconsin. And too often, I think a lot of us artists, we get hung up, you know, like, like there's the Mary Noel Fellowship, uh, Fellowship Art, and sometimes people get upset because we don't get it, but you really think about it, uh, Mary Noel, you know, their fellowship isn't what, only for maybe about four or five people. So expand, apply for stuff out there, go look, start going to shows, even go, Chicago's not that far, go visit the art scene down there. I mean, explore, learn about it, start reading, and Google. <laughs> and Google. I love that it keeps going back. They didn't they didn't pay us to say that by the way. They they didn't pay. Us. We're not we're not endorsed by Google, but also Google. <laughs> wow. Okay. And then something else that comes to mind is um this don't believe your hype stuff. I think you mm -hmm. mentioned that a couple conversations ago, but um how how have you seen that be detrimental to mm. artists? Um, because you don't see your own faults. You don't see, and sometimes it's not even about you. Um, I've had, you know, seen artists, you know, get upset because they didn't get in the show. And I'm going to be honest, 
I mean, I used to get real sad if I didn't get in the show or if I didn't get something. Now I don't care, mainly because I'm older. And number two, I realize it's much harder to do it. And just because you <laughs> didn't get into a show, it may not mean that they didn't like your work. It could be as simple, they had enough work, or maybe they had too many painters or too many photographers. I know a friend of mine's, Matope Johnson, got rejected out of a show, okay? And the particular museum where the show was gonna be at, they called him a few months later to be in another show. So, I mean, you never know, you never know. I mean, rejection is part of this business. I have read that, you know, till you got as a writer, till you got rejected a hundred times, you're not really a writer. So just, you know, just move on. And you can apply. And just because somebody tell you no, then it may not be no five years from now. Sometimes people want to see how you develop and you just keep working. You're not going to get everything. Even famous artists don't get everything. And also, like, if you get rejected, um, don't don't put that on social media, because that's some, that's something that our generation does. Like, we will. Yeah, and that's a, yeah, 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 because you don't know why. I remember I was during a show, and it was at this university. It was a student show, and the show was a blind jury. Would mean we couldn't look at the title or we weren't, and we couldn't look at the names of the artists, okay? And a lot of times, when you look at artwork, you may not know who did it. So, you know, I got a call from a student, and he wanted to know why no African-Americans got in the show. And I told him we wouldn't know it was African-Americans, but the main thing I told him, I said, do you really think this show is gonna make your career? And he said, yeah. <laughs> And I told him, no, it's not. This career, this show is not going to make your career. This show is not that important. You know, you keep, you keep, you know, you keep working. I got rejected. I had somebody tell me, and I'm known for my collages, right? Mm -hmm. When I first started doing collages, somebody went and told somebody else, um, well, I don't think her collages aren't that, aren't that, aren't that her strongest work. And the gallery I was at, David Barnett at the time, gave me a show. He had put one of my you know, collages on the card. I had six buy six buyers. Um, recently, I ran into somebody that I used to you know, work with when I first started. This other lady that I worked with, she went and said uh, that I wasn't going to make it as an artist. And this other lady said, every time there's an article about you, I just sent it to her. And she said she'd get mad. So, yo, you're going to get rejection. You're going to get haters, you know. Just keep your yes. eye on the ball and find and work find the people that support you. So you mentioned that your primary um you're known for collages. I'm curious as to what what do you love about collages as it relates to, to it being a part of your art practice? Mm -hmm. Well, I like looking at things and you know, seeing something different in it. And actually, it's sort of like looking at human beings. And one thing that I learned was to learn people's stories because basically you don't know where they come from. And a lot of times we want to throw people away. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so, you know, like old magazines, objects and stuff. I like to see new meetings. I like to see the story. And it's kind of remind me of people because there's a whole you know bunch of stuff that make up us, each person who they are you know even some something made up donald trump i don't know what but you know something made him up too but something, we don't know what something the story, did make him the up. Is. and i find that fascinating cheeto lint <laughs> huh cheeto lint <laughs> <laughs> i mean but i think i think that's a really interesting point because now that you mention it as i'm listening to you talk about collages i'm like yeah you can put together these different things to really kind of speak to like the the human story. Um, you also mentioned that black women are central to your work. And then you mentioned that there there's kind of this underlying political energy. And so how you grew up at a time 
during the 60s where there was this, again, this heavy civil rights movement. Um, how did that impact the way you engaged with art? And how do you bring that energy into what you do now? Well, one of the things I'd have a tendency to do, which I think I'm doing, I don't know if people who look at my work think I'm doing, but I like to pull like from different histories from African-American and African-American culture. And sometimes I will combine two, mainly because when I took this course with Dr. Belgardi Smith about the ancestors, I, you know, I realized who I am is all the people that were before, you know, before me. And growing up in the 50s and 60s, you know, I saw the you know, civil rights movement. I saw Vietnam, all that played on TV. There was, you know, the Black Power, you know, the Black Power movement, which led to the Black Arts movement. Mm -hmm. And I realized that it's all the sacrifices that my ancestors made that I, you know, I could be an artist. And when I was at the gallery toward the Black aesthetics, a lot of, you know, the lot of the young artists at, at the time, I wasn't an artist like Evelyn, you know, Evelyn Terry, George Edwards, um, J you know, James Simmons, uh, and others, they were forging a way. And, and we, you know, I like, you know, taking those pieces and looking and I see the histories and making new stories. And I think that's, that's important. And I think we forget about the stories and we don't particularly, one of the things I see now is we're not telling our young people and our children these stories. I know my nieces and nephews all the time want to hear, and my grand, great grandkids and grandkids want to hear all the time when I screwed up when I was younger and a kid. <laughs> but you know, but to talk to them, you know, there, there needs to be talk, you know, more talk between generations. Yeah, I think as a young person, when when I was like twenty, I felt like. I wasn't necessary. If I did have a conversation with an elder, it wasn't. It wasn't them listening to me at all. It was just me listening or doing what I was told, or you know what I mean, like a, like a respect for the elders. So it wasn't necessarily a back and forth conversation. And I think we need to have more back and forth conversations, and um, we need to talk to each other because there's a lot of rich history. And that history influences our future. Because there's artists, even though I'm of the older generation, I didn't get started till the 90s. If it weren't for artists like William Christian or Gerald Coleman, Evelyn, Patricia Terry, James Simmons, Michael Ward, George Gist, um, Nate Bell Bellamy, I would not be here because they opened doors, you know, opened doors for me. Mm -hmm. And there's so many others, Catherine Ward. I mean, there's so many others. So you mentioned those are all black artists from Milwaukee. Yes. So there's a, there is a legacy. I just want the listeners to know that there is a legacy from what I'm hearing of black artists from Milwaukee. Right. Yeah. And I think it's important because I hear all the time, and it's not just me, other Black artists, we don't see your work. And probably now you see more everybody's work than any any point of time. I mean, we have a tendency to forget, even though Renato Hernandez, he gets claimed by the Black community and the Latino community. Mm -hmm. He has murals all over the city. Amar. Uh, uh, um, mm -hmm. There's been several exhibitions where you can, you know, see art artists, and not all of them are in black galleries, and not all of them are going to say this is black artists. Sometimes African American artists are included in shows that, you know, that's not the focus. So, you know, what I suggest is, you know, call your galleries, call your museum, you know, call your museums, and they're black, you know, you got black galleries like five, you know, five point our gallery and studios that you you know you can go to um the bronzeville collective 
I mean, there's a, you know, there's a lot of places you can go, you know, go, you know. I also think it's really um, important to like know the history. And I think that's why I appreciate our conversation so much because just in, from a, a personal standpoint, you know, my favorite grandmother passed away when I was like 13 and I didn't get to ask her all of the questions about her childhood. So I didn't know, you know, that her husband made his way here because he didn't want to be lynched. Like he had pulled a knife on some white person and the family was like, you got to go tonight. This is all the money we got go as far north as you can. Mm -hmm. He thought he'd end up in Canada. He ended up in Milwaukee. And that's how my daddy's people wound up here. You know what I mean? My favorite grandpa, maternal grandpa um, on my mom's side passed away. So really all I have, the, the history points that I have are my mom and dad. But I think it's so valuable that people like you, like I can reach out to you, Evelyn Patricia Terry. I spent some time with her. And once she found out I had some autoimmune disorders, the whole conversation changed. <laughs> I know it did. <laughs> but I love it. <laughs> like she wrote down titles, gave me some cards with some uh-huh. vitamin information on it. And so, mm-hmm. and so it's so incredible. She don't uh-huh. like we yeah, stopped talking about around. the art. She was like, you get these pastels. <laughs> we need to work on your health if you're serious about this life. And so um So it's incredible, I think, the amount Mm -hmm. of history that we have and how y'all's generation is so generous in sharing the information um, with us. So, I mean, I I appreciate it, which is why I said once we were done filming podcast, me and Antoine was going to sit down, take some more time with you and just let you talk so that we can so that we can figure out how. You know, I think too history really informs how me and Antoine can move forward with our work at Imagine MKE, but also mm-hmm. beyond. Like, mm-hmm. how do we continue to create space? And it's really hard to mm-hmm. see where you're going if you don't know what's been done. Right, right. And I'm going to tell you, you know, a lot in my generation, They've been really good mentors. You know, they have been very good mentors. Manir mm-hmm. Buck, you know, Bucca Dean. Um, look at people like Gerald, you know, Gerald Dwayne Coleman. And, you know, there's a lot of rich you know, history out there. And nobody really, you know, no, you know, nobody really knows it. And I know um, one day I hope to get back to that. I, Ruben Whitmore, and Matope John- Johnson we are working on a documentary about the African-American art scene from 1967 to 1979. And we picked 67 because that was the year of the riot or rebellion in Mm -hmm. Milwaukee. And um, after that, uh, Governor Knowles put a million dollars into Milwaukee and a lot of arts programs popped popped up. And um, so we wanted to talk about this history and even in the Bronzeville, the New Bronzeville area, a lot of people don't know that was really can be called the birth of the African-American art scene in Milwaukee. Because besides Inner City mm-hmm. Arts Council, gallery toward, you know, gallery toward the Black aesthetics were down there. Um, there was People's Gallery, a few, you know, mm-hmm. a few blocks up at the King Library, the Free Willers were, you know, out, you know, Free Willers, was there, there were an African-American arts group, and there used to be a black museum started by Robert Taylor. And then in the you know, 80s, I think in the 80s and probably early 90s, there was Strive. I mean, there was, there's, there's a lot there. Echo Magazine was another you know, thing that was in the Bronzeville area. So there's a lot of history there and some very interesting history. We got like 30 interviews and some of the stories are fascinating. I, I can tell you one story that one artist, a kinky shoe, told me, and he became the director of the gallery toward the Black Aesthetics after George left. Mm-hmm. And to keep the gallery going, he used to have what they call um, parties at night. And I guess people, I guess people come in, you know, and pay to come in like a little club in the gallery. And he was talking about 
one night the police busted in and they busted in with guns and then they turned around and they looked and there was just you know all the person such and such there judge such and such there and the police did <laughs> Yeah, the police didn't know. Or people may not know that the Whitney Museum went into the gallery toward the Black aesthetics when it was on North, you know, North Avenue, and they picked Evelyn Patricia Terry, you know, for for you know for a show, or on the Inner City Arts Council, you know, building. Everybody knows Ronaldo's mural, but there was another mural that was painted by this artist named Ike. I can't remember his last name. I went to high school with him at Lincoln, and I remember he used to tell me that I was drawing my buildings wrong. And I used to tell him, "Leave me alone, boy. I don't want to be bothered with you." But you know, oh, yeah, you know, there's a lot of history down there that people don't know about. The first Juneteenth was, you know, down there. The first you know, black grocery store was down there and they used to refer to it as the black downtown. So there's a lot of history and a lot of particularly about the So let me ask you this real quick. Um, because as we're doing this podcast, I see that Antoine, I mean Antoine's uh space is filled with art and it feels like it seems like every time I look at that wall, he's added another piece. Yeah, I know. Um that. I just purchased my <laughs> first original piece of artwork and am in talks to make payment arrangements for my second piece i'm curious about but i also grew up in a home where there was no art and there didn't seem to be any accessibility to original art so i'm curious about what was people's what was the neighborhoods and communities connection to like um the gallery of the black aesthetic how were they engaging with the art were they buying original art and where did the disconnect happen where black families were no longer engaging in that way? Well, I always think there's only a small population that actually buy original art. But when the gallery of the black aesthetics was there, a lot of the community supported it. In fact, we used to have kids come mm -hmm. in they would look, you know, they would come in and look at, you know, look at the work. The community was really proud to see that gallery there. And I remember that when they got behind in the rent, like six months behind in the rent, and they didn't know where they're going to get the money to pay the rent for the gallery toward the Black aesthetics. So I, um, I don't know if people remember Johnny Mae Tatum. She used to be a state representative. I think she may have been a state senator too. She was the secretary then. So she and I decided that we were going to do a fundraiser. So we went around two blocks and there was, you know, there were businesses there. And we came back with a donation. We came back with a hundred dollars, which that was a lot of money. It was probably back in, you know, 1970 or 71. And it started a fundraiser and people donated money to keep the gallery there. So they raised the back rent and they went to pay the landlord, which was attorney Leonard Brady. And he, he told them that's okay. They didn't have to pay the back rent because he, uh, you know, it that's was, cool. he understood that that was important. You know, that was important for the you know, black community and the black community wanted it there. And I found out years later, which I didn't know, he had a brother that was an artist too, who's out in you know New Mexico, and he used to um, he was he used to teach art classes at Echo Mag you know Echo Magazine, but people used to come in there, and they we would have there would be shows from artists all through the Midwest. They showed a lot of Chicago artists. They actually showed a lot of women artists, but the community really wanted to see it. Man, I know in our talks, you've you've given me the history, like you've given, you've dropped mad jewels in our conversations. One thing that you've always said, or that I've heard you say to me before, is that you see a renaissance in Milwaukee happening now. Um, what is that that you see? Well, I see a lot. I see, you know, 
even with all these protests, you see all these murals that's really you know being popped up. Um, you see more businesses like investing in the arts, like the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, Northwest Mutual, uh, the Downtown Bed, the Billard Bed. Um, mm. It, it is, it is, you know, it is like a renaissance. It kind, of, some of the things kind of remind me of, you know, back in the late '60s and '70s. You see a lot of young artists um, that, particularly, you know, coming up in our community, like Rosie Petrie, Ariana Vaughn, Lanelia Sproles, and um, there's an artist that went to school here and lived here for a couple of years, named Dominique Chambers. He's in Juxtaposition magazine, and they're, you know, they're doing it. And even the OGs are out here doing it. I mean, Amar just won the, you know, the, you know, Mary Noel. Um, Matope just got in a national public, you know, publication. There's a lot of stuff that's going on. Um, artists, and people don't know, like Sharon Karen Harlan. She's been exhibiting for years. Uh, a couple years ago, the U.S. Embassy brought one of her works, and it's hanging in South Africa. You know, it's hanging in the South Africa in Embassy. So I see, oh, I see a lot, and particularly with these young artists, I see they're getting out there and you know trying to make their mark. But the OGs are still out there making their mark too. So it's good, and those in between. Nice. That's super cool. And hopefully, everyone's making money. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> I know I mean, quite a few that I know are. I know that's right. You said that uh so you mentioned that you sell doll like you you make a lot of different versions of art. And it sounds like you have found ways to distribute that. Did that come from you just being interested in making dolls or from you seeing that dolls could make you some money? I, I'm gonna be honest with you. When I make art, my goal is not to make money. What's important to me is doing the art. What's important to me is doing the stories. Like I make the dolls mm -hmm. because I'm trying to relate to my childhood and I pretend like I'm nine years old when I make <laughs> the dolls and I make them like I would if I was nine years old. And mainly because I grew up all the dolls that I had were white. And um, my first black doll I got from my Aunt Teresa. And I never had a black doll. And my mother gave me a pillow doll, and which she was white, blonde, blue eyes. And I decided I wanted to reconnect to making the dolls because I wanted to connect to my mother. And she got the doll from some cereal. I don't know if they do that now, but back in when I was a kid, back in the fifties, um, you can send you can send the cereal box top in, mm -hmm. and then you know I don't know it was like a dime or a quarter. You can get something like a dial or maybe a little truck, some kind of trinket. But I wanted to relate back to my childhood. But I wanted to tell you know, I said these would be the dials that I would make if I was a kid, and I give them all names. I write. Uh, you know, a couple line poems, you know, with them. And I do, you know, and I wanted to be a writer. I wanted to be a writer when I was younger. My son is seven. No, he's eight. He's eight years old and he plays the violin. And he is interested in the arts. And he likes to paint and use spray paint and all that fun stuff. What's mm -hmm. your What's your advice for my little guy? Well, your advice, keep working and have fun. Keep working and have fun. Short and sweet. Mm -hmm. Okay, our last question that we usually ask artists, well, usually ask people, all of our imagine, our imagined guests who do their thing, who are some of your mm. favorite Milwaukee-based artists? Now, oh, wow. now, the thing that I got for you, because for our listeners you can list you can kind of google all the people who she's named now you should google in this podcast she because it's a lot of folks 
outside of the visual arts, who are some of your favorite artists in like other methods of art? Ooh, that that's a hard that's a hard question. Dog, that's sort of like <laughs> But we know you got your one. favorite kid. <laughs> <laughs> we know you got yeah. one. Just like I know I'm my mama's you know, favorite. No, I you know, I won't say that I have favorite, but there's a lot of artists out there. You know, there's a lot of artists that I you know that I like. So I'm not gonna get up there and say that. I have a favorite, you know, favorite here in Milwaukee. I love all of y'all. And I think the fact what I like, I'm going to tell you what my favorite thing about artists. I like artists that go out there and get what they want. And they don't let no, you know, stop them. That's what I like. So, okay, let's take the word favorite out. (laughs) Who are some of the artists we know it's a long list, but who are some that come to mind right now who you're enjoying seeing make their mark? Um, I'm, okay, I'll start with some younger artists. Um, Ariana Vars, uh, Linnea Strolls, uh, Rosie Petrie, um, Fatima Laster, uh, Nick Drain, um, Corey Fells. I mean, there's, I mean, you know, there's, you know, there, there's a lot. Um, you know, some of, well, you know, a lot, you know, I like a lot of OGs too in between. I, you know, there's a lot of artists I like, but of the younger artists, those are, you know, those, you know, those are, you know, some of my, you know, some, I, some people that I admire because they're out there doing their, you know, doing their thing. And they're out there trying to make their mark. And I think you're going to hear a lot, you know, I think you're going to hear a lot from them. Wow. Well, thank you so much, Della, for just being able to drop those jewels, those OG Milwaukee jewels. Milwaukee oh, thank Spurs. you. And um, thank you. I'm just, I'm really glad that we got to talk to you. And this is, like, it's just always an honor to talk Absolutely. to you. Absolutely. I love, well, I love well, it. It's always the honor to talk to you. And I, I, and I appreciate you too. I should name you two too. I appreciate what <laughs> you're doing. Hey. Yes, Della loves we us too. We on list. <laughs> I ain't doing nothing else for the rest of the day. I'm changing my email to say I made Della's list. Yeah, uh, well, you know, it's not easy. And I think a lot of people don't realize, you know, it's not easy. It's not easy. And, you know, and that's okay. It's not easy. You just, you know, you keep on trying. You keep on doing You know, I got one last question. I'm sorry, Antoine. Just one more. Go ahead. I am curious how you find the time to stay on top of everybody because I mean you send me and Antoine emails about like calls for artists from some of the websites that you mentioned. I mean the fact that you're able to stay on top of what the OGs are doing but also looking at these up and comers like doing their thing. How do you find the time? Because I'm literally struggling to find time to read at night. So I just need your secrets. Well, I feel it's part of my job as an artist to find out what's going out there, you know, going on out there. And the, you know, and also, you know, I want you to know, you know, especially in Magic Milwaukee, to know what's going out there. And then not so much necessarily you, but sometimes I post things like on Facebook, because I think there's things that we need to discuss in Milwaukee that we don't discuss, or people have these ideas what the art world is like. And the art world is screwed up like anybody, (laughs) you know, anything anything Mm -hmm. else. Because I think a lot of times we have these set ideas what we think the art world is. And there's a whole bunch of stuff, and sometimes it's messy. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's messy, just like life. It's no different than anything else. But I think it's important important to know what's going on and knowing what the issues is so you know how to navigate mm-hmm. through them. Yeah. And you may find an opportunity in some, you know, mm-hmm. some of this. 
Mm-hmm. Thanks for listening to Black Imagination with Antoine and Kanita. Black Imagination is a part of the Imagine MKE podcast. Be sure to rate us five stars, share a positive review. It really helps people find us. Also, be sure to email us at pod at imaginemke. Don't forget to like us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under imagine underscore MKE. Anything else you'd like to mention, Kanita? You can also find us on Facebook at Imagine MKE. So, uh, yeah, we look forward to seeing you on the next show. All right. Thank you guys so much. Have a great day. Bye.